Morning. Good to see all of you this morning. We're glad that you're here. Our lesson for this morning is one that I will be doing again very shortly. Um, I've been asked to participate in a gospel meeting in Pegram, and uh, it just so happened that they asked me to come today, this afternoon. They're having a one o'clock afternoon service, and I don't know exactly how they arrange the speakers, but. Anyway, they asked me to come at 1 o'clock, so I'm going to go back and do this lesson again at 1 o'clock there, so if I leave abruptly, you'll know why. Uh, but the theme that they're having, and I wanted to use this lesson for today, it, it uh, made it a little easier on me, uh, but the theme that they have chosen is if I followed the Word of God, what would I learn about? And they had several different topics. Heaven and Hell is one of those topics. Um, and the one that I have been assigned is what would I learn about being a Christian? What would I learn about being a Christian? Now I want to continue that thought maybe into October. I'd like to do a few lessons of my own on this thing. But today's lesson, what would I learn about being a Christian? The whole idea, and I love the theme that they have chosen because the idea of the, the theme is to go back to the Bible for everything. To forget about anything that anyone has said necessarily. To, to focus in on what God says. And that's what we need to do. And I hope that that's what we do in the church, but I think sometimes we forget. Sometimes we get caught up in, in certain things that we've always done. But it's good for us to go back to the Word and look at exactly what the Bible says about a topic. That's where we want to find our answers. That's what we want to learn from. We want to learn how best to serve God by what He has told us. And today's lesson is going to be on being a Christian. What the Bible says about being a Christian. And it doesn't matter what I've heard or been taught before. It doesn't matter what other people believe or think. Not even parents or grandparents or even best friends or whatever relationship that you might have that's close. It doesn't matter what the world thinks. In regard to Christianity, it only matters what the Bible teaches. Now, if we were to do a word search, that's exactly what I did. I just started off with a word search. Well, what would I find about Christianity? I, I first searched the word Christian. And the word Christian is only found twice in the New Testament. Uh, in the way it's used in the New King James Version anyway. One of those times is in Acts chapter 26. And looking at verses 24 through 28 for context. Now as he thus made his defense, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, you are beside yourself. Much learning is driving you mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak the words of truth and reason. For the king, before whom I also speak freely, knows these things. For I am convinced that none of these things escapes his attention. Since this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know that you do believe. Then Agrippa said to Paul, You almost persuade me to become a Christian. 
In 1 Peter chapter 4, in verses 15 and 16, we read this. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. If anyone suffers as a Christian. And the plural form of the word is Christians. I also searched that and that's found in one place in Scripture. Acts chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now just from those passages, what might we learn? Agrippa knew that Christianity existed and he was almost persuaded. Those famous words, almost persuaded to become a Christian. Peter taught the proper attitude for suffering as a Christian. And the disciples in Antioch were called Christians. So as we look at this concept of Christianity, we understand that it is a biblical concept. It is a biblical thought. And studying God's Word is the only way to learn how to become a Christian and what it means to be one. So let's take the Word of God. Let's learn what we can from God's Word about what it means to be a Christian. I went through some of my files that I had and something that I had saved, I, I don't know from how long ago it was, but I remember it was one of our classes in the School of Preaching a few years ago. But I, I kept a, a lesson that someone had given and it just went through scriptures on what it means to be a Christian. If I'm a Christian, I am. And it gave several verses and I want to go through those. There, there are a lot of them, so just bear with me. But the first thing that it mentioned was that if I am a Christian, the Bible says that I am a child and an heir of God. Notice what it said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, verse 17 then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. If we are children of God, then we are heirs. Even if we have nothing on this earth, we can be heirs to God's inheritance. What a wonderful thought. If I am a Christian, I am a new creation, a new creature. There's a song that goes with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. If I am a Christian, I am sanctified. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. 
Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. Led by the Spirit. If I am a Christian, I am led by the Spirit. Romans 8 and 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. If I am a Christian, I am a laborer or a fellow worker, as it's referred to in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. Though we are different and have different abilities and gifts, different things that we're able to use in God's service, we are all laborers in His field as Christians. And that gives us a sense of duty. There's something that we must do. There's a work that we all must do. And so we are laborers in His field, in His vineyard. We are encouraged. If I am a Christian, I am encouraged to, first of all, be strong in the Lord's mind. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. I am encouraged to be strengthened through Christ. In Philippians 4, verse 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am encouraged to be humbled, casting my cares upon Him. 1 Peter 5, verses 6 and 7. Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. If I am a Christian, I am healed by Christ. 1 Peter 2, verses 22 through 24. Who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in His mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered he did not threaten. But committed himself to him who judges righteously. Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree. That we having died to sins might live for righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. I'm delivered. According to Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. I am saved by grace, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Keep in mind what it is saying here. I'm not saved by works of merit. There's nothing that I can do to earn salvation. But 
Becoming a Christian does not mean that there is no work involved in my salvation. God does most of the work. But there are some things that we need to do. There are works of obedience that we need to follow. And even in my continued faithfulness, there is work that I must do. But again, these are works of obedience and not merit. So we need to make sure that we, we properly distinguish the two. If I'm a Christian, I am walking by faith. I, I, have, I know of certain people that have certain verses that they identify with. This is mine. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We mentioned a moment ago justification. I am justified according to Romans 5 and verses 1 and 2. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I am redeemed. Galatians 3, beginning with verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the course of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles and Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And we are blessed through our redemption to God through the blood of Christ. Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 14. A little lengthy here. But blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure which He purposed in Himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth. In him, in him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory. Almost to the end, I promise. I am forgiven. I am a Christian. I am forgiven. 
and not just forgiven, but I am forgiving in return. Ephesians 4 verse 32. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. I'm offered eternal life. 1 John 5 verses 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has, has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. I'm the salt of the earth and the light of the world, according to Jesus Himself. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You're the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And He gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I am created in the image of God. Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And being created in his image, I should also bear his image as a Christian. And if I'm a Christian, I am a believer. John 1, verses 12 and 13. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. As I observe and follow the teachings of the New Testament, I am a Christian. I am a Christian only and a member of the one body of Christ. Ephesians 4 and verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling. Romans 12 and verse 5, so we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. It's important here to note what I am not. I am not a church of Christer. I am not a Campbellite, as many people refer to us, but I am a Christian. And I don't identify with any denomination, anyone that, that, that devises himself from the church of the Bible. I am a Christian. I belong to Christ. You won't find a denomination in the Bible. You won't find any other church other than the church that Jesus established. 
And we only find the way to be members of the church, not of any other in Scripture. Now, noticing what I am, and there's a, a great deal, if you didn't realize, when it comes to being a Christian, it means a lot. There were 17 different things that I mentioned there, and, and not including the little subpoints that were involved. But that, that's a great deal of meaning in the word Christian. But we also must understand that in these definitions of a Christian, there are also things involved in my life. There are some things that are to be a part of my life as a Christian. Let's look for a moment at the work of a Christian. Christians are taught in Scripture that there is work to do. There's a song, it's not in our book, but it's in one of the older ones. There's a work for every Christian in the vineyard of the Lord. There's, there's work for all to do. And certainly there is. Christians are taught in Scripture to bring those who are lost to Christ. In Matthew 28 and verses 19 and 20, Jesus told His disciples, and He tells us today, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. Mark 16, 15, a shorter version of the same thing. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We have a mission. We have a purpose in this life to bring others to Him. And that's part of the work of a Christian. When we look at the word go, we, we think of all the nations as being the far reaches of the world. Places that we'll never be able to go to. But maybe we can send people. Or maybe we can send help or aid. That was something that we talked about in our Bible class this morning. But when we're told to go into all the world, yes it does mean the far reaches of the world. But as I mentioned Wednesday night, we don't need to forget about the community around us. The people around us. The people that we work with our own family and friends. We have a great mission field even in America, even in our own area, even in Rutherford County. We have a mission to those people as well. And Christians are to continue in service to God and Christ. In Him, we find the way that we should live. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Paul said this, Romans 12, beginning with verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I've seen many people who have obeyed the gospel. But instead of being transformed, they've been conformed. That's exactly what we should not be. We are not to conform ourselves to the world and, 
and to blend in with them, to be like them. God wants us to be a peculiar people. I just looked at it a few weeks ago. We are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And how do we do that? Through the Word of God. I am no longer my own, but His. And accordingly, I must sacrifice my own pleasures for His. Not just in the way that we live do we serve God and Christ, but in the way that we worship also. John 4, verses 23 and 24. Jesus said, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. It's important that when we worship, that we worship according to the Word of God. That we worship according to what it is said, to the authority that it is given. We're not to change that authority in any way. We are to take God, what He has told us, and worship in that way. And so we seek to do in this congregation. We understand that faithfulness, faithfulness is rewarded. It's rewarded with great riches in Christ and heaven. Matthew 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If your treasure is in the world, then your heart is in the world also. And you're not recognizing the things of God, the riches that He has to offer. But if our treasure is on things above, and our heart is with God. We long to be with Him at the end of this journey on earth. I want to look at one final point and we'll close with this one. How do I become a Christian? And it's important to be a Christian. And it's important to recognize what God's Word says about being a Christian. I think we've We've done that today. But we also need to recognize how to become a Christian. And it may be that all of us are Christians, and I, I hope that we are. But maybe there's something that we can gather from this, nevertheless. To become a Christian, I must be fully converted. The word convert is defined as cause to change in form, character, or function. Spiritually speaking, in order to truly become a Christian, one must be changed from his original state. It must be different. Many may obey the gospel, 
that refuse to change. And therefore are not faithful to God. And maybe it's not something that they completely realize or are aware of. But, but maybe they, they haven't changed as they should. And so they're not fully converted. It's important that when we become Christians that we are fully converted, that we are changed. We're no longer living for our own pleasures or our own selves, but we are living for God. I become a Christian through obedience to the gospel. Just as those of the first century did to become Christians themselves. And it's important again as we look at what we need to do to become a Christian. Let's look to the New Testament. Let's see what others did to become Christians. Those who obeyed on the day of Pentecost were told in Acts 2 and verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they did. They obeyed the gospel just as they were told to do. They repented. They were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't until they were baptized that they were given the remission of their sins. That's what they were told to do. That's what they did and that's what we need to do today. Repent and be baptized. Look at the Samaritans in Acts chapter 8. In verses 12 and 13 and we read this. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. And Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip. And we're taking them from the point that they were. They believed. They needed to believe and they did. When they believed Philip, as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God, in the name of Jesus Christ, it says that both men and women were baptized. doesn't matter, male or female, you can be a Christian by believing and being baptized. The Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 and verses 35 through 39, we read this, then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning at this scripture, scripture from Isaiah, he preached Jesus to him. Now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? I want to point out something to you, something that we've been discussing in our classes in the school of preaching over the last couple of weeks. We've been looking at conversions. And one of the things that was brought out about this is there's no one else around. This is Philip and the eunuch. And a lot of people teach that baptism is an outward showing of an inner faith is, is how it's usually worded or something similar to that. But it couldn't be because whenever the eunuch was baptized, notice that there's no one else to see it. He wasn't showing anyone else anything. He was obeying what he was told that he needed to do. And so he said, see here's water, what hinders me from being baptized? And he answered him and said, I believe. Or then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. 
Now when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught Philip away, so that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way, rejoicing. We look at Paul in Acts chapter 9, and beginning with verse 6. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He had seen this vision, he had heard this voice, and, and now he asked, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. He didn't tell him right there, but he was going to send someone to tell him what he must do. And so we get to verse 17, And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And verse 18 says, Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. He believed. And he was told that he needed to be baptized. And he did. We know that Ananias came to tell him what to do. And when he was told what to do, he obeyed. Now, what was required of all of these? And this is only a short list. You can go through every conversion, you'll find the same things. But what was required of all of these that we've mentioned today is required of us today also. Faith in the gospel message. Confession of this faith. Repentance, a change of course, a change of life. Baptism for the remission of sins. That's what we're told to do in Scripture. That's what these were told to do. And that's what we're told to do today. Now, upon obedience to the gospel, I learned that I am added to the one true church of the Bible by God Himself. Not by any man. Not by any church. Not by any decision that they may make regarding me or my condition. But by God Himself. Acts chapter 2. Beginning with verse 42 we read, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And in verse 46, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord, and the Lord added to the church daily. Those who were being saved, not even weekly, but daily, Whenever they realized they needed to obey the gospel, they did it. And we do that today. I wasn't baptized on a Sunday or a Wednesday night. I was baptized on a Monday. That was when I realized what I needed to do. I spoke with my dad about it. I spoke with our preacher. And I was baptized that night. We didn't wait. And we don't wait today. We need to recognize that we are not added to the kingdom by men or by a church, a congregation. We are added to the kingdom, the church, by God Himself. And only He can add us to His church. And it makes perfect sense because only He knows our heart. He, only He knows if, if we are, are baptizing for the right reason or if we're bat, being baptized for... For someone else, uh, because we want to please our parents or, 
or a friend or something like that. Only God knows the reason that we're obeying the gospel and only He can add us to His church. And that's what the Bible teaches about being a Christian. Are you a Christian? Have you been added to the Lord's church? Have you obeyed the gospel? Are you remaining faithful? Are you living a life that is pleasing to God? Have you sacrificed your earthly pleasures for God's pleasure? Or do you need to make some changes in your life? Is there some way that we can help you today? If you have any need, if you need to come in obedience or repentance, if there is something that we, as your brothers and sisters in Christ, can do to help you, we'd be glad to do so as together we stand and as we sing.